0: Now please join me in your Bible or in the back of your bulletin. I'm going to be reading from Matthew 25:14 to 30. It's also going to be up on the screen. Matthew 25:14 to 30. <clears throat> For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave 5 talents, that is pieces of silver, to another 2 To another, just one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and in my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents for to everyone who has, for to everyone who has, will be more, will more be given and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you this morning, and we thank you for this time to be together in worship, to read your scripture, and to listen to Brian uh, expound it. I pray that um, we'd be quick to listen and that we'd be sensitive to hear your truth and apply it to our lives. God, we thank you for all the amazing blessings you've given us, and just ask that Um, this morning we would be focused on you and not ourselves or anything else that's going on. Jesus, we ask all these things in your name. Amen.
1: All right. Good morning, everyone. Before we begin this morning, I've asked Brian Renner to to come up and, um, we're going to spend just a moment together in prayer for, um, uh, the families of uh, the victims of the boating accident um, that happened uh, a few days ago um, off the Channel Islands. Um, so Brian's here. Um, this is one of those tragic and, and extremely painful accidents um, that m- that many people have passed away from. And I think it's worth it just to spend a, a moment praying for the families. Um, but then also, if you have your, your bulletin and something to write with, will you just write down a, a couple of names for me um, to be praying for? Um, if you have not yet met Bobby Nixon, Bobby Nixon is um, a very dear friend of mine. She's sitting right over here. Please, um, you'd be very wise to go introduce yourself to her and, um, and get to know her. She is... Um, she might be our, our, our longest Malibu resident. Her, her and Deanne been here for many, many decades and just live in the neighborhood. But she has also experienced um, just a kind of a, a family accident. And um, so we want to pray for um, her family. So Bobby, Bobby's son, Mike, that many of you know, um, and I don't think he's here this morning, but he has a brother, Bobby's other son named Patrick. And... Um, It was his family that was also part of a boating accident uh, on a lake. And um, her great-grandson, and I have the names here, but we want to be in prayer for Joey, um, Landon, Teagan. And these are um, Bobby's great-grandchildren. And then also um, Brittany, who is, is it the mom, Bobby, of those children? They were all involved in a, it was on a lake lake, uh, lake near Bakersfield, is that correct? Lake Buena Vista. And um, <clears throat> gas fumes somehow ignited. And, and um, so they're severely burned as well. So um, we would want to just be praying for them. And Bobby can tell you more. And, but So again, the names are Joey, um, Landon, Teagan. And is it their mom is Brittany? Mm-hmm. Their mom is Brittany. So we want to be praying for them. And Brian is going to pray for them as well. And they, are they're still in the hospital. Okay. All right.
2: And I think if you were maybe on the boat... I I think several of us have on either diving or or fishing trips over the years. Um, And so so often when even kind of change of channels with hurricanes on the East Coast, and uh, sometimes we look at things, incidences like that, and it's like, oh, I'm glad I wasn't on the boat this time. Uh, And that's kind of, a I think, a natural thought. But uh, let's turn our thoughts away from... What, what was okay of ours, and just just bring the people whose lives were really affected by this um, before the Lord. And just a, a thought that, uh, that I'll pray in a second is from one of the songs that, um, that we sang, that in your presence all fears will be washed away. So I'm going to pray that for these families um, who are just hurting, that God's presence would bring healing it um, bring strength uh, and hope. So let's pray together. <coughs> So, Father, I pray and lay before you so many families, um, I think of a whole bunch from Santa Cruz, the city that came down to spend a weekend diving, and then just the local people from Santa Barbara who went out just a week ago, looking forward to enjoying what you've created, and suddenly their other lives were cut short, and God, that brings so much pain and so much struggle now into the lives of um, so many, not just their family members, but even those of the, the crew and captain that survive and uh, just the the turmoil that their hearts and minds are in. So, Lord, I, I want to ask for your presence, God, to be manifest in the lives of every life that is really being tortured by this event. And We pray for your healing, God. I pray that people come to find you as their source of strength and their source of life. And knowing that... Um, at any moment, any of our lives could be cut short or have loss of property or uh, just life's changes in a moment. And God, so there's only one thing that remains, and that's you. And so I just pray for not only us to grab onto that, but more for the, the people whose lives are hurting in this, in this case. And then I also want to lift up to you uh, uh, Patrick and his wife, Brittany. Excuse me. Uh, sorry, Joey, uh, and his wife, Brittany, and then the two kids, uh, I can't, lard, Larder? Landon. Landon, Landon and Tegan. And we just pray for their healing, Lord. Um, pray for uh, both the mom and dad, but just I'm going to especially lift up the kids, Lord, that uh, as, as they struggle through the pain of, uh, you know, pain uh, that comes with burning is, um, is is severe. So just pray for... I pray for healing, I pray for comfort, I pray for every need that they may have, Lord. So I thank you that we are in this place and that we can come to you with these prayers. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Uh, I forgot to mention also, though, that um, I got a text last night from Lockwood Holmes. I think most of you or many of you know Lockwood, but he he got a text from his brother, Austin, who um, was doing some... Um, analysis, kind of observing work in the Bahamas. And um, so Hit Lockwood's brother has kind of been a, a first-hand witness to what the devastation is like. And um, based on Austin's observations is that it's, um, it's maybe even more severe than it looks. And so um, Mission of Hope um, is an organization that we've partnered with uh, that does work in Haiti, has also been asked to do some relief work there. So we'll give you more information about that. But if you have any more questions, um, feel free to talk to Lockwood about that. All right. All right. Switching gears here this morning, we are um, doing a brief series on, on, on Jesus, money, and our possessions. And last two weeks, we talked about how Salvation, coming to faith in Christ, does a radical transformation of our heart and our attitude towards money. This morning, we're talking about the topic of stewardship, and what do we do with the things that God has blessed us with? So let me just give you just a brief um, definition of stewardship. And then we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit here. So let's just start with this idea. Stewardship means that God owns everything, that every good thing that we have in life um, comes from God. And let me just show you two passages that remind us of this. First Chronicles 29, everything we have has come from you, referring to God, and we give you only what you first gave us. And then from the book of Psalms, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. And so God gives us things that we are to care for. And I think one of the things that we want to just begin with to be aware of that God gives us is life itself, that God gives us the gift of life and that we are all here right now enjoying life, enjoying being in his presence, enjoying studying his word. And God calls us to be a steward of life. And I think, number one, that has to do with being grateful for life. And we know that just from the things that have been going on, whether it's the hurricane or the accident in Santa Barbara, that life is fragile, that that tragic accidents can easily happen whether it's a car accident or diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. So we want to be people who are grateful for life and that we understand that life is a gift from God. So let's go back then, Russell, to our expanded definition of stewardship. Stewardship then is not the one-time act of just giving. It's not a campaign to raise money, but it's a way of generous living that uses God's resources his way, for his purposes. And so Jesus is going to um, share with us a story this morning. It's a parable. It's a story that teaches us about stewardship, that teaches us that God gives us things to use for his glory, for his purposes. That will always include money, but it always includes more than money. It will always include our money, but it will always equally include more than money. And so Jesus is going to tell us a story about how do we actually live this out? How do we live out this idea that we are stewards of the things that God has given us? Well, what's interesting, when you study parables, Jesus begins his ministry with a parable and says, if you want to understand parables, if you want to understand my stories that I'm going to use to teach you, there's one parable that you must Begin with. You must, if you want to understand parables, understand this one first. And it's the parable of the soils. Now, we're not going to study this morning, but I'm just going to give you the brief explanation because Jesus says if you want to understand the parable of the talents, you first have to have this basic understanding of the parable of the soil. And so let's look at Jesus's brief explanation and then we'll talk about it. And here is the the key part the soils represent the condition of our hearts. The soil represents the condition of our heart. So the condition of our heart is the determining factor of how we will respond to other parables. So here's what Jesus says. This is from Mark chapter 4. This is right after the parable. Jesus says to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, the parable of the soils, how will you understand all other parables? And that's the key. So now he's going to give us an explanation. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or persecuted for believing in God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. And here's where it's relevant to this morning's passage, the parable, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. So here's what Jesus is saying. you can hear, People can hear parables and they can be like, that's great. I like that. That's really cool. And have it mean nothing to their lives. How do we know if something's meaningful to our lives? The seed that fell in the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. So the condition of our heart is the key issue. That is... The determining factor on whether or not the parable that Jesus will share with this morning, share with us this morning has any impact. Okay? So let's break it down this way. Number one, if you enjoy taking notes, is this Jesus entrusts his followers with unequal opportunities of stewardship. Jesus entrusts his followers with unequal opportunities of stewardship. Verses 14 through 18. So here's what Jesus says. Beginning in verse 14, he says, for it will be like a man. And what is the it? Well, you have to look back up a few verses and Jesus is referring to the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying, for the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. So the first key word we see here is the word entrusted. That this man, the master, the master, gives his wealth, his fortune to the servants, that he trusts them. That means that the master will split up his wealth and divide it out among three servants and that he expects his servants to use the wealth wisely. So the master is entrusting his servants to steward wisely. Verse 15, to the one he gave five talents. Now the word talents is a word from the Greek that is the word talenton. And here's what's a little bit confusing, and translators have different views of this. And depending on the translation, you might see a bag of gold or a bag of silver. But the word literally means a way to measure money. It doesn't mean talents like you're really good at playing the guitar, that he gave away talents like that. It's just a way of measuring money. What we do know, though, is that this is an extremely large amount of money. In fact, the NIV translates it as a bag of gold. New Living Translation translates it a bag of silver. So the master is entrusting his servants with large amounts of money. Jesus goes on and says this, to each according to his ability, which some of you might say, Jesus, that's just not very fair. It's not very nice. We all have different abilities. The master is going to give five bags, two bags, and one bag. To which, if you're a two-bag person or a one-bag person, we might be tempted to complain and compare. But Jesus, who is the role of the master, gives unequal opportunities. But don't worry. It's just a story. It's not real. So... That's what happens sometimes in life. So here's what he says. Then he went away, and he who had received five talents went at once and traded. He went at once and traded. So the first gentleman that receives a very large sum of money immediately goes and gets to work. It doesn't mean he invested in a stock market and just sat around waiting for things to happen. Most commentators say that he took this large amount of money and either started a business, bought a business... And used it to produce and work very hard. Verse 16. So he who received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five more talents. So also who, the person who he gave two talents to, he made two talents as well. But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So we learn from this. That Jesus will give each person here an unequal opportunity to be a wise steward. What, uh, what is equal for all of us is the gift of life, that we are stewards of life, that we are stewards of the gospel. Jesus is talking here about the kingdom of heaven. And the question we can ask ourselves, how are you doing what? In what ways are you being a good steward of the gospel? In what ways are you living life that you are being a good steward of your life? This is a a, a thoughtful passage for us this morning. When we think about our time, are we being good stewards of our time? Are we being good stewards of our relationships? Jesus tells us that we are all given opportunities in life, and they're not always equal All right, the second chunk is this, is that Jesus rewards faithful stewards with a joyful life. Verse 19 says this, now after a long time, and the context here is a very long time, long enough where you begin to even think is the master coming back. Years and years and years go by, a very, very long time. But the servant Is greeted by the master, and here's what the master says and does. He comes to them and he settles the account with them. He comes and begins to ask questions What have you done with my money that I have given you? What are we doing with the gift of life? What are we doing with our money? What are we doing with our resources? What are we doing with our relationships? Are we using them wisely? The passage is reminding us that at one time in our life, there will be a time when we meet Jesus, when there will be a time to settle accounts. And he will ask us, what have you done with the things I have given you? What have you done with your life? What have you done with your money? What have you done with your family to show people the kingdom of heaven? Verse 21 says this, his master says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Now, if we're reading carefully and we're thinking about this, and I didn't tell you a dollar amount because commentators all disagree and have a range, but at the bare minimum, what commentators say about this five bags of money is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, possibly millions, that was given to this man who had five bags of gold. And here's what's interesting. Did you notice this? It says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. What if someone approaches you today and says, here's $5 million, use it wisely, invest it, and then comes back and says, you've been faithful over this very small thing, So here's what we're learning about what Jesus says. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Jesus is talking about heaven here. He's talking about eternity in the presence of God. And what we know from this is that one day, heaven is a place of responsibility. I Googled And did some research on images of heaven. And yes, you get lots of stairways and bright sunshine and and a, a few harps and a few little white robes. But one of the things we learn is this. It will be a place of opportunity. According to this passage, Jesus says, you've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And then he says this, enter into the joy of your master. And here's what's interesting. You just think about this as a story. The master gives away large amounts of money, is gone for years and years and years and years. He comes back, settles the account with his servant. And actually, the more technical, literal translation would be the word slave. And he says this, Enter into my joy. This is not this isn't what normally would happen when a master returns and he summons his servants. Normally the servant would be put to work. But here's what we're, we're learning about this, about the kingdom of heaven. That Jesus entrusts all of us with things. Whether it's financial things, whether it's friendships, life, resources, blessings, and he asks us to be faithful stewards. And the mark of a faithful steward is one who actively uses them for the kingdom of heaven. And the reward is this, a joyful life. A joyful, happy, meaningful life. Well done, my good and faithful servant. He says that again to the second man. He who also had received, then the third guy then, verse 24, He who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. I was afraid. And so the man with one bag of gold blames the master, lives his life in fear, and Jesus calls him the wicked and lazy servant. Jesus warns us all about being a lazy and useless steward. Well, how does that happen? How do we avoid this? This This is a crystal clear division that Jesus makes. We're either good and faithful stewards or we are wicked and slothful stewards. And here's one way to think about this. That our character and our conduct matter. That how we use things, how we live our life, the, the character of our life matters. And how we uh, manage our resource, how we use our finances, the things that God has given us, that it matters. Verse 28 says, So take the talent from this one man and give it to him who has ten talents. Jesus says, and cast the worthless servant out into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When Jesus uses parables is to teach us clarity about the kingdom of heaven. One of the the downfalls of of telling stories up here and, and telling stories about my life or things that have happened during the week is that's what everyone remembers, and not a lot, not as often do they remember the main point of the sermon, but that story sure was great. It was funny, and I remember that, but here's what Jesus is saying. The point of this story is not so you'll just remember some good time story, some, some laughing fun thing, and so we know crystal clear that we are called to be stewards And start with this. Start with the gospel, the good news about what God has done for broken and hurting people. What has he done for them? He gave his son, Jesus Christ, for them. That the most broken, hurting people can have the best life-changing news that they are deeply loved by the God of the universe through Jesus Christ we are called to steward that message of hope, that message of life. We are called to steward the breath of life that each day is a gift of God. We are called to steward our financial resources. We are called to steward our families, that our children are on loan from God, that we are to invest in them, that we are to care for them and to love them. So while the the parable that Jesus makes is clear that he expects us to be active, risk-taking stewards of the good things he has given us, what are some implications for us today? Let's just think, just a short list of implications. If God owns everything and he calls us to be good stewards of it, what are things we can hold on to? And some of these I've just mentioned briefly, but number one is this. That we have the greatest treasure of all, and that is the gospel. The greatest treasure of all is the good news that God loves people. Are we hoarding that? Are we hiding that? Are we living that? Is your, is your life on display for people? Is the gospel, is the good news on display with how you live your life? Number two that we learned about this is that everyone gets unequal opportunities. Some of you, and let's think of it this way, some of you are five-bag people, some of you are two-bag people, and some of you are one-bag people. The five-baggers, they are born beautiful, smart, friendly, outgoing, connected, lots of friends, life comes easy. Money in their pocket. Life is good. Much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. One baggers. Life is brutal. Life is hard. Maybe you come from a broken home. Maybe there was abuse. Maybe you've chose um, a dark path in your early years. Maybe most of your life has been known by pain and brokenness. And you've had to fight to survive. Most people, somewhere in the middle, just a regular, everyday, routine, two-bag person, And here's what's really interesting and, to me, so beautiful about the story, is it does not matter who you are, if you're a one-bag person, a two, or a five. And one of the most dangerous things that people do is they compare their lives to other people. And the the parable of the talents is about being good and faithful with the things that God has given you. And some of you are one-bag people. And you have the most amazing testimony. You have a story of redemption of where you're going down a dark path and God rescued you. And five baggers, you can have a story where your life was consumed with yourself and spending money on yourself, of being the prodigal son, of using people, taking advantage of situations. Five baggers are the kind of people that have large bank accounts, and still get the best deals, right? We've all heard about this. We know about this. And you're like, wait a sec. The one-bagger should get the discounts. They should get the deals. And it's the five-baggers that get all the best deals in life. But maybe you have a story of how narcissistic and self-centered you were. And Jesus Christ has changed your life to be a loving person. Most of us 2 bag people, You're going to get married. You're going to have a job. And the routine of life is going to work, loving your spouse, loving your children, taking them to the dentist, then the orthodontist, then a haircut, then going to the vet, then trying to get to church on time. And you say, God, I just need your presence every day just to, to make life work. And we all have a story. We all have a testimony of the grace of God in our lives. And so let me ask you about your testimony. Are you being a steward of your testimony? Are you you willing to risk like the five-bag and the two-bag person? Are you willing to to, to be active or playing it safe all the time? Just digging a little hole, staying safe in your hole, The master says, hey, at the very least, you could have put it in the bank and earned a little bit of interest. But look, he was afraid. And I, I believe that too often we live our lives as one bag people in fear and not willing to be active stewards of the things that God has given us. God has given us his grace. He's given us his love. And we are to be generous people with what God has done. Number three, implications. We are all held accountable for what God has given us. We are all held accountable. I was going to do this, and I forgot. I'm going to do it next Sunday, because I'm going to do part two on stewardship next Sunday. But there is a website called Global Rich. I think it's globalrich.com. You can put in your income. And I can't remember what it was. It was around $50,000. Makes you a one percenter in the world, one of the top one percent income earners if you make $50,000 a year. It's quite interesting. Here's what's in this is important. You might have a one bag income, a two bag income, a five bag income, it does not matter. We are all equally responsible and we will all be equally accountable for our generosity, for our kindness, for our compassion. We learned three weeks ago when John the Baptist preaches the message and he says to the people he was speaking to, if you have two two cloaks, two tunics, give one away. If you were making money in a way that was taking advantage of people, stop doing that. Work honestly with integrity and be generous. And we are all going to be held accountable. And unfortunately... Pastors and church leaders, we are held to a standard of the utmost integrity as far as being stewards of the gospel. We must remember that compassion and generosity is what changes people's lives. We all have the gift of life. We're here, we're breathing, we're alive. We have the good news of the gospel. We have jobs, we have income coming in, we have a place to live, we have food, we have friends. Are you compassionate and generous with all of those things I just mentioned? My job, part of my job, is to remind myself and remind us all that we will be held accountable as followers of Christ, another implication we are all managers, not owners. To remind you again that everything comes from God our children are on loan to us, our bank statements, place where we meet. God calls us to be faithful managers. Your perspective on money will radically change if you believe God owns it all. If you can free yourself from thinking you own it, you worked for it, it's yours, and change your attitude to the idea that God owns it and he's calling you to manage it. The parable of of the talents, of, of the faithful stewards, Is meaningful and and should cause us to think. And I think I spent the most time this week thinking about um, the phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the master. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy. Generous, compassionate, kind people are the people who are good stewards. Wise people, risk taking people, or wise stewards. What anchors our hearts together with Christ is remembering his promises. Psalms 89 says this about God's promise I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord. Forever with my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. We are called to steward the steadfast love, the faithfulness of God, and remember and hold on to those things. That's what will change our lives. When we remind ourselves, we hold on to the promises of God. We hold on to the idea that he is faithful, that we can sing of it joyfully. And the call upon our lives is to be faithful stewards so he can say, enter into my joy steward your time, steward a smile. One very short story. Again, (laughs) bike riding this week. I'm trying to get back on my bike a little bit again. This was hot. It's been hot all week. Didn't want to do it. And here's what this person did. I was grumpy and ornery a little bit for whatever reason. person smiled at me. That, that's it. Very, very sincere, genuine, nice smile. Change my heart. Change my attitude. Do th- do, can we see all the things that we are called to steward? A smile can change somebody's life, a conversation, friendship. And what will empower us to sing, and we will right now in just a moment, is the steadfast love of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us. You are faithful and loving when we go our own ways. I pray that we would build our lives upon your steadfast love. You are good. You are faithful. You are forgiving. Father, I pray that we would be joyful stewards. I pray that we would hold on to the truth that we are called to be good and faithful stewards, that we enter into your joy. Help us to sing that. Help us to live that. Help us to experience that. We pray your Holy Spirit would open our hearts, that our hearts would be the soft soil where real growth would happen, allowing us to become generous and compassionate people, more loving, because of your steadfast love. We love you. We ask these things in your name. Amen.